thinking sideways. I don't understand. Does not compute. You never know. What? Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Hi there. Welcome to a special encore presentation of Thinking Sideways. <laughs> <laughs> it's an encore presentation because two days ago we recorded about eighty percent of it and then realized that we hadn't turned our mixer on. So. It was really, it was like our best episode, you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know about that. No, yeah, it so wasn't really that much of a loss. Nah, okay. yeah. So, well, we're here. We're, we're going to repeat word for word what we said the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hopefully, if we can, actually. Maybe. Uh, uh, and before I forget. Uh, I'm Joe, joined as always by... Devin. And... Steve. Okay. So let's solve another mystery. Oh, before I start, uh, I also want to uh, give a shout out to Kenji, who suggested the topic for this episode. Thanks, Kenji. Appreciate it. Keep them suggestions coming. What are we talking about tonight? Just to refresh my memory, it's been a We're couple days. Talking about... <laughs> yeah, I know. Talking about B. Traven. Oh, yeah. B. Traven. Oh, B. Yeah. B. Traven. That's right. Who was this guy? Um, he was a German author, if you haven't heard of him before, who published 13 books, a lot of short stories. His books were extremely popular and sold millions of copies. Uh, his first book was called The Cotton Pickers. It was published in serial format in 1925. What, in sorry, what serial format? Oh. Yeah, the cotton pickers. Got, okay. Yeah. Well, it's, well, it's newspaper articles. Yeah, newspaper articles. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Uh, the second novel was called The Death Ship, which I really like that title. Mm, of cool course title. you do. Yeah, yeah, I know. came out in 1926. Uh, in, all of his books were originally published in German, by the way. Ah. Don't think I mentioned that. So these were published in Germany. Death Ship became a movie in 1959. What um, movie? Was it called The Death Ship? Uh-huh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I haven't uh, seen it. His third novel, The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, was published the year after that. I'm not sure if that was made into a movie or not. Wait, let me... Wah. I'll look on the Google. Okay, do that. Okay. Uh-huh. 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 This fingers is, are this flying This is definitely not faked at all. Uh-huh. I'm totally doing this. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah? In uh, 1948, which was starring Humphrey Bogart. Who? Yeah, no, Humphrey Bogart. You know him. Oh, oh, the actor? Yeah, frankly, oh, my dear, I don't give a... Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Maltese yeah. Falcon. Yeah. 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 You can play it for her, you can play it for me, Sam. Yeah, <laughs> that guy. That guy, yeah. Uh, good old buggy. Back to B. Traven, uh, his books were very popular in the U.S. and Mexico, after they were translated into Spanish, and also in Europe. Uh, quite a few were adapted, as I said, for movies and TV shows. But what's strange about Traven is that despite a very long literary career and a huge, huge fan base... Nobody actually knows who he really was, or where he was born, or when he was born. Nobody really knows. And he was always, uh, he was always kind of coy about the whole thing. I said before he was German, he published his books in German, but some people think he may actually have been born in Chicago. Mm. Traven himself always claimed to be an American, and even while he was still alive, he, he died in 1969, people were trying really hard to figure out who he actually was. And not just Reddit here. I'm talking about okay. journalists and people like that. Reddit's but... really good at figuring out who people are. Oh, yeah. Are. No, no. Not, I'll, I'll <laughs> They're actually better than journalists a lot of times. Well, actually, they are. I mean, journalists, are. journalists yeah. uh, do some amazingly hacky things sometimes. Yeah. But, but... And Reddit is just kind of like, oh, no, no, no. This is obviously this person. Yeah. Duh. But yeah. But There's Reddit... also the fact that Reddit wasn't around then. What? Yeah, there was Yes, that. it was. In 1950 something? 1950, 60? 1969? It was around. It was an analog form. Yeah. It was was on a card catalog. It clanked Uh and clacked a lot. Yeah. No, computers and... computer on Star Trek. I feel like the internet... I'll have to look it up. You know, the internet originally was in some form, but Reddit itself was not. You don't know that. Okay. Nah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna stop. <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna argue. I'm not sure when the DARPA net started. I'll, I'll do a Google after the show. Yeah. Well, it started I, with DARPA. Well, you know. you know, probably what happened if if Devin's right is that the original code name of the DARPA net when it was be being created was Reddit. Mm. Reddit. DARPA. Yeah. Reddit. Could be. I'm gonna find yeah. it. Okay. Well. Right. <laughs> okay. Back to B. Traven. Uh, at the start of his literary success, he was living in Mexico, and he stayed there pretty much until he died. He traveled abroad a little bit, but basically lived in Mexico. His publishers in Europe and America never met him. He dealt with them only through representatives. Warner Brothers brought the rights to the treasure of the Sierra Madre in 1941, and they signed up John Houston to direct. I'm sure you've heard of him. Yeah, what else did Houston direct? Do you know off the top of your head? 
I know. I know. Houston did a bunch of stuff. Oh, I just can't. A ton of stuff. I, I, you know, I'm having a, I'm a bit of vapor lock right now. Okay. If you want to know what he looks like, watch Chinatown. Did you ever see Chinatown with Jack Nicholson? Yeah. 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 He plays the he plays the elderly bad guy in Chinatown. Oh, okay. Yeah. I know who you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Keeps calling him Mister Gitz. Yeah. Uh, that, <laughs> Can you tell it's been a long time? I don't quite get that joke. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was, uh, Nicholson's name was Gittes, and but but this guy he kept mispronouncing his name, Mister Gitz. So if, you, if anybody still cares. not funny. Yeah. Uh, lots of our listeners are cackling hysterically right now. I'm sure. Yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah. No, actually, if you haven't seen Chinatown, you should see it. It's a classic. Really good movie. Okay. Back to... I'm getting all off course yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> he said, Houston set up a meeting with Traven in 1946 in Mexico City, but Traven didn't make it to the meeting. Instead, Air quotes included, right? Yeah. Yeah. Instead, a guy named Hal Crow showed up with a letter, which was a power of attorney from B. Traven. In the letter, Traven authorized Hal Crowes to decide all matters regarding the filming of the novel. So Crowes, and not B. Traven, was present for the filming of the movie on location in Mexico. They so that might suggest... You would think, huh? Yeah. Well, yeah, a lot of people that were involved with the film were asking Crowes if he was actually B. Traven. Crowes always said that he was not. He probably was Traven. Uh, we'll never know absolutely for sure. I'm kind of guessing he was. Most of the crew believed that Crows and Traven were the same person, although John Houston came to believe that they weren't the same person for God knows what reason. But I'm only recounting this one story because it's so typical of Traven. He was so, he was always real cagey about his identity and protecting his privacy. He, uh, his motivation might have been, quote, the creative person should have no other biography than his works, unquote. And that's from Traven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's it's unusual for somebody to want to put their work into the public eye, whether it be writing or music or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. For most people, there's a there's a bit of hubris there. Yeah, yeah. Little... And to to not want to to be known is. Mm-hmm. A it's little unusual. unusual. Well, I think the irony of that is that yeah. you know, if he if he had truly just written his books and kind of gone about his life we would remember his works likely but nobody would care who this b traven dude was oh, exactly. other than an author and you know he he, he lived wrote, in mexico yeah and yada, yada, yada. but the fact that he was so cagey with his true identity and so standoffish is really the reason it's, that he's remembered for anything other than his work. I know. It is, like you say, ironic. It's that true um, irony. Real well, kind of irony, not like real spoon. Irony. Yeah, or, or it could be he's even, he's even smarter than we realize, and he did this on purpose so that people would be, be you know, obsessing over who he really was for many, many mm, decades after his He death. actually did want to be remembered. Mm-hmm. Maybe it. that's what it is. Maybe that's it. Sneaky. Yeah. Probably the reason he hit from the public eye is that he was private, and he just wanted people to read his books and not, not think about him. It appears that B. Traven arrived in Mexico around 1924, though there's a little bit of dispute about this. Some think as early as 1922. One person says 1914. I was going to say, I, I read something about much earlier, so okay. Yeah. 1914 is the earliest accounting we have of Traven arriving in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Whether yeah. it's accurate or not, that's the yeah. earliest. does not appear to be accurate, but we'll, we'll, we'll figure out why in a little bit here. His widow said that he signed on, he got to Mexico by signing on as a crew member on a ship from England to Norway. She said it was a death ship. That's where I guess where he got the I was going to say, wait, Uh okay. And then from Norway, he got caught another ship to Africa, and on a third, he went to Mexico. From Africa? Yeah, from Africa. I just believe he got the the inspiration for death ship from his experience on his long voyage. Mm, That makes sense. Yeah. Well, the the death ship and I think the, the cotton pickers are both deal a lot with what the proletariat de- experiences in these terrible working conditions. So mm. it would make sense that that's where he pulled a bunch of, of the the content from. That was a big mm. word for you, Steve. I know. The proletariat? I, I Googled it. Yeah, you must have. Mm. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. You're not dumb. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think it's one of the ironic things about the Industrial Revolution is you hear so many horror stories, but people still flock from the farms and the fields to, to go work in the factories. Well, it paid better. Because <laughs> working on the farm sucked. Well, it sucks. And I, the thing about farms that's different from factories is on farms, you get these things called failed harvests. And then after that, you get what's called a famine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. At least you get steady work in the factory. Yeah. Even if it pays terrible. Mm-hmm. Pays better than corn. Better than the farm thing. Mm. 
Although it sounds like the living conditions were worse, but hey, we're way off track. Who yeah. cares? Yeah, we are we don't have to do that. <laughs> Thank goodness. Okay, back to the story here. From Mexico, Traven submitted his novels for publication in, in Europe in German. In 1933, he sent three manuscripts of his earlier novels in English to Alfred A. Knopf in New York for publication. And he said that he claimed that these were the original works and the ones previously published were just translations. Hold on. Yeah. When did the German versions get submitted to publishers? Uh, in the 20s. In the 20s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he waits until 1933 to submit them. So we're English. talking half a decade to a decade later. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, about eight years. Uh, this, it's just that the there's so many pictures. weird dates and there's so many conflicting things. I just want to try and keep this as, <laughs> yeah. as yeah. linear as possible. Yeah, with this story, it is kind of hard to keep all the details straight in your head. It's confusing. The, the, the thing that's odd about these translators, the English version, is people who happen to read both German and English have said that there are a lot of differences between the German and the English versions. It's and they, they people claim that the German ones contain Americanisms, whatever those are. Yeah, I don't know what that I means. was going to yeah. ask. What, yeah, I still don't understand what that is. Col- yeah. Colloquialisms, Col- perhaps colloquialisms. Uh, um, Although that varies by region, it could be Canadian, mm-hmm. could yeah. be Mexican. Yeah. No, but that can't those, be can't be Mexican colloquialisms because yeah. it come from Spanish. No. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. Sorry. My German vocabulary consists of about five words, so mm-hmm. I, I'm not reading them in German to find no, out. No, nor am I. Yeah, <laughs> but the the Americanisms in his books is why so many people believe that he was born in America. But then here's the funny part: the English version supposedly contained Germanisms, and I haven't read Weird. it, so I can't comment. The only thing I can think of is is like the fatherland statements mm-hmm. like that, things I, that are just so common to say that mm-hmm. you hear uh, in tra- direct translations. Those are the only things that I can think of that would be in there that could be called a Germanism mm-hmm. versus well, I guess an Americanism. If he was born in America but grow, grew up in like a German slum or something, he mm-hmm. would be surrounded by people speaking both German and English. It's possible that mm-hmm. he was fluent in both. Yeah. It's possible that when he wrote, he had both Americanisms and Germanisms, mm-hmm. and therefore that accounts... You know, I assume that they're separate. Yeah. It's not like the Americanism is replaced with the Germanism in the English translation. Mm-hmm. So it's possible that he just picked up both of them. Yeah, it's possible that point. both versions had both Americanisms mm-hmm. and Germanisms. And that you just notice it in the other language because, hey, it's different. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, and, and there are apparently other differences between the two books, too, but... But he, if, if he did submit them years after the first ones, maybe he just revised them a little bit because, mm. you know, wanted to make them better. Well, and you know? to appeal to the reader. Yeah, it could be that, yeah. too. Yeah. It appears that Mr. Traven was one of three people, Beric Traven Torsven, Rhett Marut, or Hal Crows, or possibly all three. All right, well, we'll skip, uh, skip right straight into the theories. We're going to go, we're going to start with the less likely ones first. No, oh, okay. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah, okay. Are we doing, like, the list thing that we do sometimes? We're just, like, list a bunch of stupid theories and then talk about some good ones? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So it yeah, looks can, like it based perfect on to me. this list I have yeah. in front of me. Yeah. yeah, we can discuss... It's a list. We can discuss these, these as much as you guys want to. First, Traven was an amalgamation of two or more people who collaborated on the books and the stories. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't... Well, uh, how many? There's not a lot of great works out there that were written by collaboration. Yeah, I yeah. know there aren't. No, that's I, a hard thing to do. Yeah, it is. It really yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. that's why you only see it in fantasy sci-fi novels. Mm. Yeah, and, and murder mysteries. Yeah, you do see a lot of it in, in fantasy and sci-fi. Oddly enough, okay, so much for that theory. Another theory is that he was hiding from a dark past, and I, he apparently was. Huh? Yeah. We'll talk about that in one of the more serious theories. If he was indeed, some people believe he was Rhett Marut. Which Rhett. I'm guessing we're going to get to. Yeah. And, okay. And Rhett All Marut right. had you know, sort of a dark All right. Path. Nice teaser there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Next one. Uh, Traven was just a shy guy. Oh, a shy guy? Uh-huh. Like a, a little shy guy. Ah, uh, just a little He's shy guy. Probably a shy yeah. guy. Yeah. He's a little blue, boo, shy guy. Yeah. Okay. I don't get that. You, yeah, no. That's what they call just play a Nintendo game sometime. Just I grew up on Nintendo games. Which blue shy guy are we talking He's about? He's not blue. This is a little shy guy from Is this an adventure stuff. of Lolo? No, it's from Super Mario. Shy guys. Oh the yes, I know who you're talking about. Mm. <sighs> <sighs> Failed jokes. Yeah. All right. Let's All right. keep moving. At least it's okay. not me this time. Yeah, let's do another theory here. 
Another theory is that Traven was the pen name of Adolfo Lopez Mateos, who was president of Mexico from 1958 to 64. Okay. And this probably got started because his sister, Esperanza Lopez Mateos, uh, translated eight of Traven's books into Spanish, and he was also B. Traven's literary representative for a while, about 10 years, I think. She was? She was? Mm -hmm. She was. Okay. So you can see how the, that rumor might have gotten started. Mm, mm-hmm. um, I don't know what to make of this. I don't think Mateo spoke German. Maybe he did. I don't but know. maybe his sister did? Uh, yet another theory is that Traven was the pen name of Esperanza Lopez Mateos herself. Yeah. Yeah. So well, maybe she spoke German. Well, but uh, do we know what language she translated the it into Spanish from? Did she translate it from English, which would make sense that she was fluent in English and Spanish? I know she spoke eight languages, but I'm just thinking mm-hmm. on the order of likelihood, what languages she would speak. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know that German would, would be that high on... In it. that day yeah, and age, would, it might be. Maybe. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, that's why I'm asking. I I'm mean, in sure. terms of like large world players, right? Germany is a pretty big world power. Yeah. And if you're trying to study up on languages based on who you are most likely to have to communicate with, particularly if you were the president's sister, I would mm. say German's a solid choice. Yeah. English, Spanish, German, probably some Pan Asian, Japanese, Chinese, I, I, probably I, Italian. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's why I'm asking. Yeah. Is it just... I would say it's I I would say that it's a pretty good chance that she spoke German. Okay. I don't know fluently enough to translate full novels, well, but that's really it. I yeah. mean, yeah, she's got another language really, really well. Really well. Yeah. Do yeah. we know when she was uh his uh his agent or uh, his representative? I believe it was from like nineteen forty one to nineteen fifty one. Okay, I could see German being mm. on the list at that time. Right, right, okay, right. I'm just just asking. Anyway, our, our next theory, this is a good one. Traven was actually Ambrose Bierce, who actually you guys have heard of. Okay, no. this this name rings a bell. Yeah, but I, I can't think of who this does is. Does it ring a bell from Tuesday or? Yeah, I know it rings <laughs> a bell in general. Oh, okay, yeah. he's a, a literary figure. He's a famous author and satirist. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Beers went to Mexico during the Mexican Revolution in 1913 because he wanted to check it out, perhaps report on it. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And he vanished without a trace. Another unsolved mystery, huh? Oh, yeah. yeah I follow up on that one. I yeah. know. Not me. Yeah, he vanished. Uh, the problem with this theory is that he was born in 1842. Oh, Beers was? Yeah. Uh. So that kind of... Huh. You'd be an old, old man. So it was a span of the 127 years 127 old? 127 years old Boy. when he died in 69. So I think we can discount this one. Yeah. Another was that he, uh, Traven, was the illegitimate son of Emperor Wilhelm II. Okay. I don't what's, know. What's the foundation on this? I mean, why? I I can't think of anything other than that, like, um, during, like, World War One and stuff like that, he was... He was able to publish his little uh, his little agitation magazine, whatever it was called, the the brickmaker. Mm-hmm. And when paper was in short supply and being rationed, so they thought, well, maybe he's got royal connections. Ah, uh, but I, that I, ties in with a different theory about who B. Traven is, right? Yeah, it's not a hundred percent sure that he was the one who was publishing the brickmaker, right? No, it's not. No, not really. That's true. So, I mean, every, a lot of people believe that he was. Sure, but, but it's yeah, not. I mean, yeah. that's also that's just not, a theory. That's just, yeah. yeah. A, okay. strong, a stronger possibility, a stronger theory. Oh, sure, and sure. Next theory, uh, Traven was Jack London. Jack mm. London died in 1916 mm. at the age of 40, mm. but some people think he faked his death, moved to Mexico, and continued his writing career. And then died 40, 40 50 years, years later. Old? 50, 50 mm. years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, Again, there's the old, old man issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a little more credible than 127. But, okay, what uh, what officially did London die from? Do you, uh, either of you remember? I thought he it had was like drug a, overdose. Well, some people say that. Uh, I heard that he had an internal infection, I think. The, okay. the official yeah. cause of death on his death certificate was drug overdose. Mm, well, he was taking morphine for the pain because mm-hmm. he had some serious ailments. Right. So I could see where it'd be seriously easy to accidentally, oh, yeah, accidentally. OD. Oh yeah. Oh, 
a lot of people do it. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. but, but particularly at that time. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Self-medication was the way to medicate. Well, yeah, and mm-hmm. with the terrifying morphine and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Easy to do. Yeah. If I'm ever in the hospital and they say, would you like morphine, my answer will be no. I will scream, thank you. Uh, but, uh, uh, but no, actually, my, my question <laughs> is, isn't there... Uh, the, I swear there's something about images or accountings of people who were who saw London's body mm-hmm. after cuz he there was an autopsy done wasn't there on London I think so and I swear I've seen something about people having seen the body post uh, the autopsy, so that would that would lend me to say to poo poo on this one. Mm, and it's yeah, not an okay theory because of that. Mm. I think it's a bad theory. Either it's way. a bad theory. I mean, there's no particular reason he needed to do this, and but he was already a successful writer. Yeah, and he was and he was uh, he was again sick and very poor health and taking morphine. So that leads me to believe that he probably just accidentally OD'd or yeah. died of natural causes. Yeah, so, and yeah, he had no real motive to fake his death. Uh, let's see another another last of the loopy theories. B. Traven was a pen name of a guy <laughs> named August B. Belge, and I might be mispronouncing that. He was a German from Hamburg who was an adventurer and actually did spend time in Mexico. But of course, I don't know why anybody came up with this theory and proposed it because B. Belge died in the Spanish Civil War oh. in the late thirties. So mm. probably not him. Probably yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah, unless he faked his own death. <gasps> yeah, that could have been it. Yeah, but again, I. I, I a couple of these are faked death scenarios, mm. and I don't, I don't understand why. Okay, I can see somebody having a big political shift or an ideology shift and changing the things that they write, mm. but I can't see somebody doing that and saying... This is going to cause a firestorm. So instead, I'll just die and come back as somebody else so I don't damage that other reputation. That's mm-hmm. th- that's an odd train of thought. I think in general, mm-hmm. fake death theories are kind of bunk in my book. Okay. <laughs> just in general. Yeah, I think it, it, it does happen. I've done it a few times. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but only yeah. to get away from girlfriends. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Or to escape my debtors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Federal government. Sense. Yeah. Let's dive into some meteor theories. Oh, like good ones? Yeah, better, you know. We'll see how you like them. I thought we were talking like comet meteor. I knew yeah. you were going to go there. I'm sorry. That's what I thought. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. All right. What do we got? What, back, what is the first one of the doc well, here, back sir? Back to the Rhett Marut uh, thing, as I mentioned before. Oh, yeah. yeah as I foreshadowed, <coughs> ominously. Alluded yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is actually... A, uh, it was actually the connection between Rep Marut is some claim was made by an East German author named Rolf Recknagel, but actually it was actually made by one of his fellow revolutionaries, a guy named Eric Mussam. You're probably wondering about revolutionaries. He got he kind of Rep Marut actually appeared on the scene in the early 1900s in Germany. He was an actor, uh, occasionally wrote plays, also directed plays, danced, and all that stuff. And then eventually started... Kind of a vaudeville Yeah, I, I guess. I guess mm. whatever theater was like in Germany in those days. I wasn't alive, so I don't know. Nor do I. Yeah. Eventually he got involved in politics and uh, joined up with a bunch of a bunch of revolutionaries in Bavaria, one of whom was Eric Mussam, who... And Red Marut had a, a distinctive writing style that... And Eric Mussam recognized that and first made the connection... So an East German author named Rolf Rucknagel, who I just mentioned, uh, wrote a book about it in 1966. He did some... While, while Tra- Traven was still alive, right? Yeah, What's his, his name? It was yeah, still Traven alive. died Traven? in 69. So, yeah. 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 Unless he faked his death in 69 to get away from this guy. Always possible. Yeah. So I, I, I'm not sure. This is obviously... The 60, 66 is still you know, fairly late in the game. I mean, people back in the 40s yeah. were, were trying to guess what his real identity was. Yeah. But this this just made it like sort of flare up anew. And actually, I guess... I guess actually you could say that it was back in the 20s when people actually... Because it was actually the publication of The Death Ship in Germany that started this. Because that's when Eric Lussam recognized his writing style. Mm. Well, let's get back into what he was up to in Bavaria. So I said he performed on stage, and at the out, after the outbreak of World War One, he became politically active, and he founded an anarchist magazine slash newspaper called Der Seigelbrenner, which literally means the brickmaker. 
Yeah, what we were yeah. talking about earlier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. On, that, on, on Wikipedia, it says brick burner. A lot of people have it down as brick burner, but it actually means brick maker in German. So, Why is that? Yeah, what? Because the word Brenner in German means burner. Okay. But if you pair it up with the word brick, it's, it, it becomes brick maker. German's weird. I know. Well, yeah, thank you for saying Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, not that English, English isn't an no, odd language English as weird. well, but... <sighs> Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I didn't grow up speaking German, so I... no. Yeah. no, no, no. So, okay. So so, so he founded, this is Marut. Yeah, Marut founded this anarchist magazine, and uh, after the proclamation of the Bavarian Soviet Republic in Munich, they actually started a, had this little revolution in Munich and, and Bavaria. And that happened in 1919. Marut, Rhett Marut was made director of the press division, and he became a member also of the propaganda committee of the quote unquote government. Uh, which some called the fake Soviet Republic. And it was during this time that Marut got to know Eric Musum. And uh, he was one of the, Eric Musum was one of the leaders of the anarchists in Munich. And when the death ship started to appear in other ones, that's when Musum compared his writing style with the Brickmaker articles and decided they must have been written by the same person. Hmm. So back to Rolf Racknagel, the, the guy in, uh, 19, in the 1960s, who wrote tracked, the book? He wrote this book about it. Yeah, he tracked down a whole bunch of those revolutionaries, as many as he could, to get their opinions on that and, and find out what they knew, and then wrote a book about it. And so. they all said, hey, this is the same writing style. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Doesn't necessarily prove much, though. Well, no, because yeah. it's 40 years later, mm-hmm. 50 years later. Oh, no, no, it's not that far. Well, no, if, if, this, if this revolution takes place in 1919, that's when Marut is really active. Mm-hmm. And they may not have read any of his stuff since then. Mm-hmm. They what? But they. Well, I, I I thought that that Eric Musum read the um, read the Death Ship at least like not too long after it was published, which would have been 1927 or 1926. So we're talking yeah. eight years. Yeah. Yeah, seven yeah. years. Yeah. So that's it, possible. It's just it's it's when there's any kind of time. If I've got two documents in front of me totally can see the similarities in style mm. but if i'm trying to recollect because that's that's my my issue with uh the these guys that were in this movement is did they have documents that were supposedly written by marut to then compare against or was it just hey this really sounds like that other guy that's no, that's my I, question i want to know if there's any if well, there's any correlation or if it's just memory there might have been well, i don't know there might have been copies of the brickmaker still laying around that hadn't been recycled yet i mean that's that seems like you know if that was something that you were proud of in your history you would scrapbook that i mean you know whatever the dude early 1900 equivalent of scrapbooking is but you would keep that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. if that was a publication and a movement that you were really a part of you keep that and you can pull it out and say oh hey remember when we did this Mm -hmm. yeah i just i just want to know if it was and i'm i'm sure that we'd have to read the book by uh it's recknagel is that his name recknagel yeah okay i'm and maybe he lays out that he you know they had these two things to compare i'm just i don't know also i guess in fairness the other thing that I would point out is that just because the book was published eight years after doesn't mean that he was writing it eight years after, right? He could have been writing it the whole time because it takes a while to get stuff published. It takes a while to write novels. That's a very good point. Mm-hmm. So it could have been within a couple years that he had been writing that. So the style could have been quite similar. That's very true. Yeah. Particularly no, if he had a really, I don't know, bold way of writing. Yeah, I'm not going to dispute that at all. Sure. So their little revolution didn't last long. Essentially, they, uh, the White Guards came in and raided them in May 1919, and that was the end of the Bavarian Soviet Republic. So they lasted a couple of months. Yeah. At best. Yeah. And Rettmarut was arrested, along with a bunch of the others, and supposedly they were going to execute him uh, for treason. But I don't know if they actually were planning on doing that or not. But he somehow managed to escape. And so maybe they were going to execute him, and his, and his captors decided, yeah, we're just going to let you go, because I really don't want to see you get your head cut off. And, and so he managed, to, he managed to sneak off, and he spent the next several years laying low in Germany and Austria. And then eventually, of course, as we know, he, he made his way to Mexico. Okay. okay. Okay, now let's talk about another guy, Otto Feige. Feige? Uh, Feige, I don't know. Feige, it's, it's like that yogurt, right? Feige. Feige. Okay. It's that Greek yogurt. Feige, Feige. Hmm. It says on the front of the yogurt. Okay, I'm clearly the only lady in here. Yeah. <laughs> clearly. Clearly yeah. the only one who eats Greek yogurt in this room. Uh, yeah, I think so. Oh my goodness. 
Sorry, all the blank looks. I know. <laughs> like you've hell? never heard of Greek yogurt before. I've sorry. never heard of yogurt before. <laughs> what is this Gosh. stuff you call yogurt? Sorry, I'm sorry. Let's yeah. just talk about auto. Yeah, let's go back to autophage. Uh, autophage. Uh, so this came out because in late 1923, Rhett Maru tried to travel to Canada through England. But in England, this is after having escaped. Yeah, this is 1923. He escaped in, in 1919 and hung around Europe but laying low because he was wanted by the authorities for treason. Marut tried to travel to Canada, got busted in England for being a foreigner without a residence permit. He got to spend two and a half months in jail. And at that time, during interrogation sessions with the cops, he told, told them that his real name was Hermann Otto Albert Maximilian Feige. Jeez. I know. Quite That's name. a name. Yeah, yeah, I would not awesome. have wanted to have to write that on my homework well, as a kid. Imagine writing checks. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to pay my bills. Christ, I hate this time of the month. <laughs> yeah. uh, he also said that he's from the city of Schweibus in Germany, which is in Poland today. And a couple of BBC journalists named Will Wyatt and Robert Robinson. Those uh, are British names. Yeah. So British. Yeah. They found, they found out about his jail interrogation and this claim of this name in the city that he was from. So they went to Poland, where Scribus is, is not, and now had a new name, too. And they checked the local records, and they confirmed that his claims were apparently true. What, what year was this that they did this? Do you well, know? This, oh, you know, that was in the 60s, I believe. Okay. Could be wrong. No, that's fine. Yeah. And they had photos of um, Rhett Marut and B. Traven. Apparently, Rhett Marut was, he was photographed when he was when he was busted. He looked, yeah. and I've seen that picture, and I've seen the pictures of uh, B. Traven, the uh-huh. supposed pictures of B. Traven. It looks very similar to uh-huh. me. Yeah, could be the same guy. So yeah, he had a couple of siblings still alive. Otto Feige did, and they they interviewed the sisters and showed him pictures of Rhett Marut and B. Traven, and they appeared to recognize him. Appeared? Yeah, I, I don't know if they actually said, like, oh, yeah, that's my long lost, that's our long-lost brother. Because he he disappeared years and years before. Well, so. Yeah, okay, so, what, yeah. He how many years? Like, if was it he happened a kid? in the 60s, we're talking 40 years? Yeah, yeah, he, so he disappeared around 1904, 1905. Oh, yeah, so a while. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're talking 50 years, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 50, so, 60 years, yeah. Yeah, memory gets a little, you know, memory fades a little yeah. bit. Yeah, and so they they never actually said it was just kind of like I a Yeah, and like I think that, yeah, so if, if let's see, like the, the picture of, of Rhett Marut, which I believe was a police photograph, mm-hmm, would have mm-hmm. been taken... Um, Taken in, in 1923. Yeah. If he disappeared, let's say 1905, that's 18. He would have aged 18 years. Mm-hmm. Maybe he still would have been recognizable. I mean, I guess there's something to be said for, uh, uh, you know, oh, that dude looks like Uncle Jerry. Yeah, maybe. You know, that was he it. looks he looks like he belongs in our family. He looks like the family lineage. So yeah, it might be him. And mm. we had a brother who disappeared who looks kind of like he might end up looking like that so the other thing we need to keep in mind is photography at the time is not what we're all used to as photography today i don't know the picture is not bad but you know film photography it it, it degrades and if it's if the film was a little dirty and it's not processed right those things can get a little fuzzy and a little off so mm-hmm. it it it's um oh what is it they it's kind of that vignette feel that you'll see where they kind of soften everything that's what mm-hmm. it's it harkens back to is the day when it wasn't easy to get a perfectly good in focus shot it was a little hard back in the day well, the thing I found a little odd about this is that if they recognized him as their brother, their long-lost brother, you'd think they'd say, oh, my God, can you tell me where he is so we can find him? They didn't do that. Well, that's why I suspect that it was just kind of a look of recognition on their faces, you know? I, I that don't know. That the journalists took to mean that they recognized him and since they were journalists. Inference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As we were talking about earlier, journalists maybe not the best. <laughs> yeah, they cut some corners sometimes, now let's face it. Well, anyway, back to Otto. He disappeared in 1904 uh, And so it looks like, under this theory, that Otto Feige adopted Rhett Marut as a stage name and, or, and also a nom de guerre when he mm. later became a revolutionary. Mm-hmm. That's your favorite phrase? Yeah. Or term? Yeah. Some people it? have disputed this because they're saying he couldn't have been more to Germany because there's too many Americanisms in his writing. Again, I don't know what an Americanism is. but So I don't know if the Otto Feige thing... It seems like... Um, Everywhere that Traven went, or Rhett Marut, or whoever, he liked to spin a big cloud of BS and mm. leave, a, leave a big leave a lot of false trails. 
Which, if he didn't want to be found, mm, there, there's idea. really two ways to not be found. Hide in the cave mm-hmm. or tell lies. Yeah, that helps. And just continue to tell a different story to every person you meet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he seems to have gone with the latter and not the former, yeah. which would explain why it's so hard to figure out who he is. Well, let's get on to the next theory. This uh, a guy named Traven Tours fan. Huh? Yeah, Traven Tours fan. So as you remember, I was talking about the filming of The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, for which Hal Crowes showed up and was yeah. a technical advisor to the film. Yeah. After that, uh, after the filming was all wrapped up, Crowes disappeared. And oh. He, yeah, he just vanished. Okay. A Mexican journalist named Luis Spota tried to find him. And somehow, I guess he, I guess he bribed somebody at a bank or something like that. Got some, <laughs> sure. got some, got some information, which put him, put, put him onto another guy. Solid reporting. I know. Well, you never know what, what's, where the trail is going to lead you. So, but he found <laughs> another man who was apparently connected to Crows. Uh, this guy lived under the name of Traven Torsfen, and he lived near Acapulco, like on the outskirts of Acapulco. Uh, so Spoda investigated Torsfen and found out that he got a foreigner's ID, ID card in Mexico in 1930 and a Mexican ID card in 1942. And on both on the applications for both of these things, he claimed to be um, an American-born engineer, and he claimed that his date of birth was March fifth, eighteen ninety, place of birth Chicago. And according to some records that he found, Torres Van arrived in Mexico in nineteen fourteen, mm. which I'm still scratching my head. So over. that's from the U.S. Because if he was yeah. born in Chicago, he would have traveled there from mm-hmm. the U.S. Yeah. So of course, if this is true, if, if then Torres Van can't be Rhett Marut. Because Rhett Marut was documentedly in Germany right. yeah. Like, yeah, at that time. Yeah. Although it could be Rhett Marut lying about when he got to mm-hmm. Mexico and from where he came mm-hmm. to try and cover up his kind of bad yeah. past. Maybe. You know that you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily say... Oh yeah, I uh, I'm from Germany and I uh, came here and I was in jail and I started a revolution and totally seceded <laughs> from well, a nation and was arrested for treason. But the mm-hmm. timeline doesn't work. Why? Because if Marut was in trouble in 1919, but the documentation shows that Tors Van arrived in Mexico in 1914. Hey, just just as a point, how did how did the journalist get that information? Bribery. So yeah, public, let's just say that you records. couldn't just... All right. All right. Well, it's a gray I mean, area. I'll yeah. call it a gray area. I mean, just... It, like, is. just uh... it is. He could have just lied in his application form, too. I mean, I don't, I don't know that they... Yeah, actually... I don't know what official record means. If official record is the application he submitted in 1930, mm-hmm. sure, he could have totally lied. Good point. If Cause... it's some kind of immigration form or something like that, could have bribed it, or it could be real. It's hard to tell, especially in this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you could really write whatever you wanted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Next step in his in Spoda's journalistic journey, he bribed the the mailman who delivered Taurus fans mail and managed to <laughs> more bribery. Him. I know. I love it. That's just the way it goes down there. Yeah, I guess so. Mm-hmm. Pretty much all around the world, actually. But when he opened some of those uh, some of those envelopes, he found out that Taurus fan received royalties payable to none other than. Traven. Oh. Yeah, from a man named Josef Weider in Zurich, which is the guy that was, that was his publisher. Oh. But uh, asked Torsfan if he, B. Traven, and Hal Crows were all the same person. Of course, Torsfan denied it. Uh, suppo- supposedly emphatically, in fact, even kind of angrily. But, if you're trying to hide, that would be, and caught off guard, I could mm. see that being a normal reaction. Yeah, mm. for real. Yeah, Spoda, again, this is not like those journalists before, said that uh, Torsten finally admitted indirectly to being the writer, though he doesn't say exactly how he admitted indirectly. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's hmm. hinky. Yeah. Hinky. 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 So Spoda published an article about all this, a nice long article, I understand. Mm. I haven't read it. In the newspaper Manana mm. in August 48. Mm. And Torres Van published a, an angry denial in the newspaper Hoy a mm-hmm. week later. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow and, and today? I know. You love it. Right? I love it. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then, of course, not long after that, Torres Van disappeared. Uh. Yeah. So, I mean, all these disappearing people. Hal Crows, Traven, Traven Torres We actually have like five mysteries and one mystery right know, now, right? All, all these who weird is, disappearances. Is, yeah. Okay, but one mysterious disappearance was solved because Hal Crows, who disappeared, well, he reappeared yeah. in Acapulco. Oh. oh. Yeah, and he wrote a few screen adaptations of B. Traven's books. 
and of course also acted as his representative. He had a secretary named Rosa Elena Lujan, and uh, eventually married her in 1957. And Torsvon was also in Acapulco earlier than that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. So I'm just seeing that going, oh, wait, maybe he just liked Acapulco and he took off for a while and came back. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he If was... it's the same person, if we're going to stitch this all together as the same person. But... Yeah. 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 I, yeah, I don't know. Between his marriage in 1957 uh, and his death in 1969, Hal Crows, uh, I guess they were happily married. Uh, Al Crows stayed Hal Crows until he died. Then on the day of his death, his wife, Rosa Elena Luhan, of course, as you know, held a press conference and announced that her husband's Hal Crows' real name was Traven Torsvan Crows mm. and that he had been born in Chicago in May 1890 okay. to a Burton Torsvan and Dorothy Crows. Mm. Yeah, okay. She also said that he had used the pseudonyms B. Traven and Hal Crows during his life. And then some months later, she confirmed that B. Traven had indeed been Rhett Marut earlier in his life. Well, um, so is the mystery solved? Uh, wait, wait. So, okay. So he was born in May of 1890. According to this. In yeah. Chicago. Yeah. And Chicago. Then he, no. Um, sorry. <laughs> Never left. Um, and then he became Rhett Maru like immediately after that and went to Within Germany? 20 years, he would have somehow got himself into Germany yeah. and become Rhett Marud. Okay, but he was oh, never think... he was never autophage, right? Uh, yeah, I don't think so, no. But, uh, and I think my understanding of how the whole thing worked is he was born in Chicago. His parents were actually, I think, from Germany, and they moved back to Germany. Mm. Then. So he, they, he lived maybe the first 10 years of his life in America, something like that, and then uh-huh. moved to Germany. That would explain a lot of stuff. That would explain lots, yeah. Let's okay, well... If that's right. If that's that, correct. Yeah, in yeah. that interpretation. Okay, I'm on board. Mystery yeah. solved. And then he, then he eventually uh, gets, himself a, gets, gets himself a stage name, and then, you know, becomes a revolutionary, and then has to leave Europe and goes to Mexico. And where, by the way, you know, he is wanted, uh, apparently he would be an American citizen and not a German citizen. So I don't know if you're an American living in Germany, if you can, if you're, if you can commit treason. Maybe that's why he didn't end up being put to death. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Right. Or maybe that's why he faked being, you know, born in America because, you know. Or maybe that's why he faked being, what is, what's his name? Otto. Otto Feige. Yeah. Maximilian. Uh, Uh, Paul Millionaire. The Greek yogurt guy. Yeah, the Greek yeah, yogurt yeah. guy. Okay, well, what, now there's there's one that you 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 haven't included here that I I found odd, but I I wanted to bring up, which was I'm not saying who B. Traven was mm-hmm. from the outset, except that the theory that I saw said that he was from Germany originally and was in Mexico. And he met an American who wrote these stories mm-hmm. and somehow bought or stole them off of that individual and then rewrote them into German, which is why there are Americanisms in the German version. Mm-hmm. And then went back and said, oh, wait, now I need to make this match my manuscript later. So when converted that English back or rewrote the English version in his own English version. Mm-hmm. That's where all the Germanisms came from. Now, I again, this is mm. one that I've seen proffered on the internet a number of times, and I don't buy. I don't buy it. But either. it's out there, yeah. and I think that we should at least acknowledge. I suppose that we should have. There. Been, I, I suppose we should have. I, I didn't include that one because um, it just seems so even less supportable than almost all the other silly things <laughs> out there. Sure. I think it's more supportable than Jack London. Mm, yeah, I'll be honest okay, with you right that's now. fair enough. Yeah. Or Ambrose Beers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it, it just seems like, it just seemed to me I, like it was basically speculation more than anything else. And completely I will agree with that. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't know. So the mystery is solved, or is it? No. Not at all. No. Because yeah, she he could have been lying to her the whole time or it may be that uh If you can't li- if you can can't lie to anybody it's your wife. Yeah. But you can lie to your wife and people do it all the time. Oh hell yeah. So mm-hmm. I can see this guy being like, "Yeah, we're dating." 
I'm just going to make myself sound mysterious so she's really interested in me. I can see this. I can see this play out in a thousand Boy, this ways. This bodes really well for your upcoming Shush, There's a reason I don't let her listen to this show. She does think that I am an international millionaire uh-huh. and I don't come to record a podcast. Uh-huh. I am dealing with my trust fund. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll make sure Hedge to fund. support that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll keep your secret. We'll keep it. Yeah. Yeah, and also he might have told her the whole truth too, and then but but also expressed his wishes to for her to continue spreading the fog of BS. Yeah, also on possible his, on his behalf after his death. Also possible. Yeah, and she uh, by the way uh, she lived until two thousand nine, I believe. Wow. Yeah, she lived a good long. Well, he, she was a lot younger. than I him. was going to say she must have been a young woman when he married her. Yeah, she she was quite a bit younger than him. Yeah. That yeah. well, yeah, it had to be. Yeah. So mystery solved, huh? Mm-hmm. Okay. You keep right. saying that. <laughs> you keep saying that. No. Oh, I don't really I don't know. I, you know, for me, the, the the big mystery here is why people care so much. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I uh, in going through this, I, I was really struck by the fact that so many people devoted like years of their lives to researching and tracking down and traveling to various places and checking records and, and interviewing people and just to try to figure out who he was. People get stuck on weird mysteries. We've uh, experienced it, oh, just yeah. the us three. We oh. get stuck on some weird stuff sometimes. How mm-hmm. many times have any of us brought up the same mystery to the others? It happens. Oh, yeah, and mm. then, you know, one of us will be like, oh, we should do this mystery, and you guys will always be like, no, Devin, that's dumb. <laughs> no, that's lame. That's or, dumb. Joe, we've already done that one. We don't need a follow-up. We don't need don't... 12 follow-ups. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't care what records you requested. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I need to go to the bathroom. So I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get the, uh, <laughs> gonna get some of the administrivia out of the way here, so I can shut off the mixer and go to the bathroom. Okay, find us on our website, which is thinkingsidewayspodcast.com. You can leave comments. We have links to uh, various articles and stuff that are related to the subject matter, and of course, you can download the episodes directly from there. Or you can find the episodes on iTunes. Excuse me, iTunes. Did I say iTunes? <laughs> uh, on iTunes, uh, you, can, you can subscribe. Of course, you're going to want to do that. You're going to want to leave a comment and a review. Please leave a review and a comment. We like those. You can stream us on Stitcher or anywhere else, for that matter. I don't know how many streaming services Lots. are there these days. There's, There's a bunch. So yeah. many. We're yeah. on most of them at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can also you can find us on Facebook. Please find us, friend us, like us, follow yep. us. Whatever. TM. Yeah. Right? Trademark? Trademark? Oh, yeah. Trademark. Yeah. Trademark. That's we're our also, registered yeah. trademark. And we're on the Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> we are on the Twitter. It's yes, true. yes, yes. It's true. Uh, we, but our name's a little different. It's Thinking Sideways, not Thinking Sideways. Just we dropped the G because we had to, right? Yeah. No, because it was cool. Yeah, yeah. Thinking yeah. Sideways. More hip. We wanted to fit in with the yeah. cool young yeah. kids. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there is email. Send us an email at thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. Well, and don't forget now, of course, we've got uh, we've got the shirts and stuff like that oh, available yeah. on yeah. Zazzle. Mm-hmm. There's a link directly on the right-hand side of our website that people can just click on, and that'll take them straight to it. So we haven't done this a lot recently. We've been kind of moving yeah, away from it. Haven't really. Um, but I do want to just briefly mention a pretty cool piece of listener mail we got a couple weeks ago. Oh, or more than that. No, it's just been a week. Well, by the time this comes out, oh, it'll, it'll be been a, been a oh, month yeah, or point. so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyways, it's uh, from... Uh, Bowie Poag, do you guys know who that is? I, of course I do. You, you uh-huh. know who that is? Yeah. yeah. Listeners may remember, this is the Reddit user who claims that he knows who is responsible for the Max Headroom, Max Headroom broadcast intrusion. Yeah. And he, I'm not going to actually read like verbatim anything that he said, but mostly, well, actually that's not true. Well, let's see. Well, he, it's, what, <laughs> what I like is that we didn't reach out to Bowie. No, he reached Bowie out to Bowie tracked us. us down. Yeah, he tracked <laughs> us down and he said, uh, just listen to your podcast and I wanted to drop you a line that says, I think you did an excellent job covering it and I was glad that you appre- approached the theories the way you did with good skepticism and c- skeptic. Oh, no. Skepticism? <laughs> yeah. Skepticism and critical thinking. That and thank you for not ripping on me for re- refusing to disclose any names. And then he kind of goes on. We had a pretty good conversation about it. But I just thought it was kind of cool that no, I he actually it reached out to us. And mm-hmm. thanks, Bowie. I don't know if you actually are listening to all of it or you just like track down Max Headroom related stuff or whatever. <laughs> but it's got uh, a Google alert. I was glad. 
I was glad to hear that he appreciated us because I think you know there's there's no way of proving anything and yeah. uh, it's better to just protect people. Well, I yeah again I wanted this is one we've hung on to for a couple of weeks too that I yep. wanted to follow up with. This is a bit of uh, listener mail and uh, a correction. Mm. This is kind of my correction because uh, I was wrong. We uh, we got an email from Tony Ortega over at the Raw Story, yeah, who has done a lot of reporting on Scientology. And if anybody remembers or has recently listened to the Michelle Miscavige episode, we had said we weren't sure about a fact, and so we guessed at it. And Tony was kind enough to reach out and correct us on it, which is we had questioned uh, if anybody has listened to it, Sea Org. Yeah. We couldn't remember if sexual relations were allowed for any reason. Turns out we had said we thought they probably were. No, they're not at all. No, I think we said that they were allowed for procreation only. For procre- yeah. That's yeah. what it was. Procreation yeah. only. Yeah. Turns yeah. out, no, 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 no intercourse no whatsoever. Yeah. So I was, I really appreciated Tony taking the time to reach out yeah. to us. And there was some, again, with the, the same as the email from Bowie, there was some other stuff there. But it was really nice to have somebody who had done a bunch of research and reporting to follow up with us. And if we ever do anything on Scientology again, I know we're going to reach out to Oh, absolutely. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I don't think we're going to be doing anything more about Scientology. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see what comes up. But Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Good listener mail. It's been, God, months. Months since we've done listener mail. So keep sending us emails. We get get lots of emails. (laughs) We do get lots of emails. Yeah. So don't be offended if we don't read your email out, out loud because we can't really read that many, and, and we can't reply to all of them either. We just there's well, just no, actually, we reply to we all reply of to them. a lot of them. All no, of them. every single email, though it may take us a week to get back to people, mm. I make sure that every email, if none of us have grabbed it, gets responded to, so it doesn't fall through the cracks. Mm-hmm. But w- there's so many coming in. There's just no way that it, we could. There's read only them all. three of us. There's yeah. only three of us. Yeah, we and don't we have full time jobs. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so for now, at least, we'll get back to you. Uh, it might it might be the, finally reach the point where we're going to have to hire a bot to reply to our email. No. No. Yeah. Never. I, I solemnly swear that we will never. Never going to use a bot. No. <sighs> nope. Nope. Not so, happening. yeah. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, that, I want a bot. That's everything, huh? Uh, Joe, that's pretty much everything. We could replace him with a bot. Oh, we he, could. Feel free. <laughs> <laughs> I've got better uses for my time than this. Oh, no. So far, this isn't paying too much money. Oh. On that note, mm-hmm. shall we? I think we shall. Yeah, toodaloo, everybody. See you next week. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. And by the way, you're going to love next week's episode. We're going to tackle the big kahuna. 